Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Hello, welcome to another episode of Motherhood Exposed. Today, I speak to the lovely Leona Bugdom. Leona talks me through finding out she was pregnant at just 18 life as a teenage mum, and now mothering her eldest daughter, who is a teenager herself. Leona also has three more children with her husband, Ross, two of whom have spent time in NICU, and we chat through the trials of having a baby in the neonatal unit, including in times of COVID. Good morning, Leona. How are you? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Sorry, I'm laughing about being all official with you. We've <laughs> just had a good old chin I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> I'll be serious, serious Sally now. <laughs> Absolutely. So Leona and I, we briefly worked together. Oh God, I always do this and I'm like, oh, how many years ago was that? It was ages ago, wasn't it? A long yeah, time forever ago. Um, yeah. Gosh, when uh, I was mental health midwife and you were, what were you doing? Psychology? I was doing, yeah, um, a psychology post in the perinatal team. Ten? That was Chelsea. Must we go for ten years? Yeah, something I, like yeah, that. Yeah, over ten years. I'm trying to remember because Alyssa was little, so um, it was yeah. A yeah, good she's while ago. fifteen now. So yeah, I think yeah. It, it, no, because I met Ross when I met. Well, I met up back yeah. up with Ross when, when I yes. yes. So that was eleven years ago. There we go. Okay, well, let's let's. That's a good little segue. Nicely done there. <laughs> Tell us about how you met Ross. <laughs> uh, so I actually knew Ross from school uh we were in sixth form together he was in the year below as he will always remind me um <laughs> he's 18 months younger he will always remind me that um so actually I was pregnant with Alyssa when I met him um and we went on a geography field trip to Iceland uh, the country not the uh, shop <laughs> and um up some I, yeah yeah and I um I can remember ringing my mum I'm uh, do you know what he, luckily he won't listen to this because this now sounds really cringe but I can remember ringing my mum being like I think I've met the man I want to marry and I'm pregnant with someone else what and you were what 17 oh, 18 wow um anyway life did what it did and he was either with a girlfriend I was obviously pregnant with someone else um and then I went to uni and we always just had like life just didn't match up um and then when Alyssa was five so 2010 um well, I mean, we'd stayed in contact, but he just messaged me out of the blue and um, said, you know, how are you, blah, blah, blah. He was quite drunk, actually. <laughs> and he said, uh, do you want to come down to the rugby um, club today? So I was like, yeah, okay, why not? And then that was it. That was history. Like, we Done. just started, yeah. So, um, yeah, so it started a long, long time ago, but then we never really got together until... 
Amazing. And then you had the yeah. most fairy tale wedding, which you looked absolutely incredible. Oh, but yes, yes, we had a beautiful day. I mean, he did. He had to work for it. He um, broke up with me. Uh, yes, a bit less than a year I in. Yeah, because that. that was when we were yes. working together, and I was a mess. That was a great diet. <laughs> I was a mess. I even took two, two days of work. Um, yeah, and then he came back. well do you know what actually I'm so glad he did it um we were young and he basically said now he didn't say at the time but he said now um he needed to be sure because there was a child involved and Mm. he needed to be sure that this was really it and if it was then he wanted to go fully into it Mm -hmm. um so we had yeah like 10 days, uh, two weeks, something like that. And no, it was only, came, only that. It wasn't, it wasn't very long, yeah. And then he came <laughs> crawling back with the line of, um, I'm never going to be Prince Charming, but I'll always be your Shrek on a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Can we make that the title of the podcast, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he has stayed true to his word. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that's how we met. There you go. Now, we've obviously referenced Alyssa. So can you talk to us about yes. Alyssa? Yes, bless her. She was how I became a mummy. Uh, I was 18 um, and certainly not anywhere head frame planning anything to do with babies. Um, and I was on the pill. I must admit, I probably wasn't the best religious pill taker but I was in the pill and so it wasn't it didn't cross my mind that it could happen um and I started feeling really funny quite faint felt sick just felt weird uh and I went to the doctors and they said is there any chance you're pregnant no I've just had a period I'm on the pill fine it wasn't questioned it was just left at that um so a couple of weeks later really still didn't feel very well and actually um I had, in my earlier years, I'd had an eating disorder and I, I was a bit funny with food. And my mum kept saying to me, please tell me if you're doing this yourself, are you making yourself sick? And I was like, no, I re- I'm, I'm really not. I just feel awful. Anyway, so she said, is there any chance you can be pregnant? No, mum, absolutely not. Um, then I had my cousin's wedding. And again, I thought I had a period uh, where I just bled. Um. Anyway, came back from the wedding um, and I was babysitting and um, I, I don't know why, I still don't know why, but I went into a chemist while I was babysitting this little girl and I bought a pregnancy test. And the second I had it, I had to do it. Mm. it. It couldn't sit in my bag and wait. I mean, I didn't even think I was, but it was just in my hand and it was like burning. Um, so I did it and... Um, it came back positive and my first reaction wasn't even oh my god I'm pregnant it was God's sake I've weed on it for too long because it says like we on it for five how many seconds and in my naive state I just assumed that maybe I'd weed on it for too long um and then panic started creeping in um I thought right okay just get through the day her parents came I, god knows how I said goodbye I think I was in a complete zombie state I went to Tesco's bought two more pregnancy tests and sat in Tesco's and did them 
they all came back positive. Well, oh my God. Um, so I sat in my car in the car park crying and I kept trying to ring my mum. And every time she picked up the phone, I was like, like completely panicked. I couldn't say it. So I was like, oh, so she must have been absolutely beside herself with worry. Aww. And I eventually just texted her. Oh, did you? <laughs> Saying, um, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and by the time she came home, I'd locked myself in the bathroom. And she came home and she was like, it's fine. Like, we'll, we'll sort it out one way or another. We'll be absolutely fine. Don't worry. Um, and I was like, what do you mean one way or another? Of course I can't have a baby. I'm 18. Like, I'm, I'm going traveling and, and I'm going to uni. Um, and she was like, well, one day at a time. Let's just, let's just think about things. Um, and in my head, there was absolutely no way I was having a baby. It just wasn't, wasn't I don't know, it just wasn't what I thought was happening. Yeah, I should um, say you're, you're holding a baby at the moment, hence the Yes, noises, if that's why you can hear these squeaks. Yeah, it's not your tummy. <laughs> no, the squeaking baby. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I thought, excuse me, we're talking. Um, so I just assumed in my head that, I, I don't know, that I just, that it, I, I couldn't do it. I think that was my um, horrendous feeling is I felt like, I almost felt like I didn't have a choice. I felt like I should not go through with it mm-hmm. um I went to a private school it was very like you know it, that just it just wasn't wouldn't have been yeah thought of that that is something that I would do anyway so I um assumed that I would have to go through with not having her and I just couldn't do it um but we went to a clinic and they scanned me and they said I was 11 weeks and three days. And again, my response, not ideal, was um, that's, that's not mine. As they were scanning my stomach. I mean, way to make yourself look really intelligent. Um, so, so they said, no, it really is. Um, so I asked to look and they said that, that they couldn't. Um, Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to get the other one out. Um, so, yeah, so I asked to have a look and they said, um, you know, that was really the done thing. And I said, well, there's absolutely no way I'm going through with not having it at the time. I didn't know she was a her. Um, and I, I left the room and I said to my mum, and her dad was there, um, her biological dad, And I said, um, so I'm not going through with it. I'm having a baby. And my mum was like, oh, okay. So you best get used to calling me grandma. (laughs) Wow. So, I mean, my mum was an absolute rock. Like I I could not have done it um, without her. She, you know, she never seemed flustered. She, yeah just from the very beginning it was I'll support you either way and if I don't if I hadn't had that I don't know how I would have got through those first I mean the first few weeks of knowing I was having a baby um and trying to navigate telling people Mm. um 
And what I found the hardest is once I'd got my head around it, I was, you know, I was beginning to fall in love with her or it at the time. Mm -hmm. But people didn't know how to react. So it wasn't an instant congratulations because that it, it wasn't. So I found it really difficult that um, the next time around when I was pregnant with Indigo, that I suddenly had this um, like wave of congratulations and love and mm-hmm. happiness. And I still feel sad that, not that Alyssa would know because she was inside, but that she didn't get that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, I had her, I was pregnant doing my A-levels. Um, I was doing my A-levels in June, July, whenever you do them. And then had her in September. Wow. Um, and how, how were the school with you? Oh my God, awful. Oh really? I had some incredible teachers that absolutely fought my corner. Um, but I will never forget, uh, I will never forgive or forget the head teacher. She was vile. She, um, I'd, I'd never had even an order mark at school. I was a complete geek, like goody two shoes. Um, had never had a detention. Had always done everything I was told to do. Um, I was head of house, and um, she basically said to my mum uh, that she thought I um, it would be best in everyone's best interest if I left the school. Wow. Um, and obviously, my mum lost her. <laughs> rag um and luckily there were some amazing teachers including my head of house in civic form and the head of sick form actually that both completely fought my corner and were like absolutely no way and my mum who's dutch and very outspoken and doesn't really do well at being told things like that um was like right well i'll i'll take you to court and so then it was very much like okay she can stay uh, but she can't wear school uniform because we don't want her. Because so we had to. The, the reason she wanted you to go was because yeah, she didn't it was, want to was to for go. the school, not for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and so she didn't want because we had two campuses. She didn't want me walking through the high street with um, a bump. Which really sadly, I never had a bump. I never really got a bump. Otherwise, I would have absolutely flaunted it. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, my mum took absolutely no um prisoners and said under no circumstances is she being made to feel like an outcast um so yeah so stayed there did my levels and as i say some of the teachers were absolutely incredible um, and so so supportive but the head wasn't absolute at all did you go to uni after, after yes school as well? um so I took a year out. Um, so she was born in this September and then I went to uni the following year when she was one. Um, and I went to Royal Holloway, uh, which is about an hour, just under an hour's drive from where I am. Um, so again, my mum was an absolute godsend. Um, and I don't, I wouldn't have been able to do it without her. Um, she looked after her a lot. Uh, she'd pick her up and drop her off at nursery. Um, I managed to, I didn't, I wanted to be the one, especially when she was so little still, who got her up in the morning and who put her to bed. So I did a lot of driving on the M25. 
Um, so I would get up really early, get her up, get her ready. Depending on when my lectures were, my mum would either take her to nursery or I would. Um, and then again in the evening. Um, the first year was probably the easiest. Um, and then as she got slightly older, it was harder because if, if I, for some reason, couldn't put her to bed because I was back late or in my exam week, my mum would always, um, I tended to stay there mm -hmm. and see her less. Um, and as she was older and realised more, it was, it was, I found that really hard. Um, and I found splitting myself in, you know, I wanted to be a student. I wanted to be a 19, 20 year old. I wanted to be, I was single at the time. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to meet uh, friends. I wanted to go out, but I also wanted to be a good mum and mm. I wanted to be a good student and like splitting myself in that many um, personas. I felt like I failed at everything. Um, and, but I mean, the only, the only um, good thing about being so young was that I had a million times more energy than I do now. <laughs> So I could get up at like five in the morning and go to bed at two in the morning and then I'd still survive. Whereas now I think I would absolutely crack. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough, but I wouldn't have changed those years. They were amazing. There were some really low points for me, I think, because I felt like, as I say, I wanted to be good at everything and I mm. felt like I'd been good at nothing. Um, but it was incredible. And do you know what she was? She was just, she was an amazing child. So she, um, quite often, if she was if she was too poorly to go to nursery, but she wasn't poorly. So say she'd had, I don't know, she had a sickness bug and then had to be off for 48 hours from, from nursery. She'd come and sit with me in my lectures. Would she? <laughs> she would just, yeah. So <laughs> she was doing psychology lectures um, too. <laughs> And she'd just sit there and draw. She'd been to my... Um, and you've just told me that she's a very studious young lady. She's so studious, yes. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it's come yeah. from. <laughs> she was doing uni at two. Um, but yeah, I mean, she slotted right in. She had all, the, all my friends running around after her because obviously none of them had children or friends with children or anything. So she was absolutely sport rotten. <laughs> <laughs> and what's her relationship like with your mum now? really close I mean they are really really close and it's funny because um when I had indigo my mum said not in a not in a negative way to either of them but she said oh, I get to be just a grandma this time mm -hmm. whereas with Alyssa she was very much like a second mum mm -hmm. so she had to do some of the disciplining she had to do some of the you know fighting bedtimes or brushing teeth or whatever whereas with indigo i i was in a settled relationship um i was working i was there 24 7 so she got to just be the grandma mm -hmm. but on the flip she has this incredible relationship with Alyssa that that is different to any of the others um because she helped raise her she helped yeah. bring her up Without me trying to work out my maths, how old are you now? Uh, <laughs> um, I am 34. I'm 35 in September. Do you want to borrow my fingers? <laughs> really put me on the spot there. <laughs> Can answer any other question, but that one has. Three. <laughs> 
34. <laughs> so, um, how is it parenting a nearly 16-year-old? Do you know what? I, I love it in terms of I absolutely love um, our age difference. I think I'm quite, <laughs> I think I'm quite a cool, cool you're mum. You're definitely a cool mum. She doesn't think I'm so cool. <laughs> um, I think we're a bit like our fan, but I'm, I'm the um, <laughs> sappy and she's, no, she's sappy and I'm the, you know, Eddie. Um, but she, yeah, I, we have a lot of um, like really, I don't know, lovely um well, I'm not. I'm not saying age makes a difference, but I. I don't know. We are so close in the respect that we did a lot of stuff just us two, or with my mum. We just had a very different bond. But then there are times where I panic, and I'm like, "Oh my god! I I'm meant to be mumming a." very nearly 16 year old and I know what I was like at 16 and she's not actually as I said to you earlier she's much better behaved than I ever was um but I struggle I don't know where I don't know a baby I can do you can just do a toddler I can do a 16 year old I want obviously I want to get it right at all ages but I don't know things like where where are the she's there for for an example she's there studying because she's you know worried about her exams and stuff and there's me telling her almost not to study because I don't want her to get too stressed and you know I want her to have a bit of freedom and I want her to have you know I, I know how quickly those years go mm-hmm. um but then should I be sat there saying, no, study more, study more. And I don't know, some of the questions that she comes home and asks and some of the things that she wants to do, I just suddenly feel like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to look. Okay. Pick up some I suddenly, yeah, I feel like you're, you're going into this big wide world and I want to make you ready. I want to make you... Um, I see the good in the world Mm -hmm. but I also want to make you safe so it's just all those questions isn't it of um you know keeping them safe and keep I I want to keep her young but I want to let her grow if you know what I mean and that I find really I do find really tough finding the balance um yeah and I think because it wasn't I mean it was a long time ago but it wasn't a hugely long time ago that I was that age that I can remember those feelings and I can remember those difficulties. And I do, I mean, I, I don't envy 16 years now with social media, with actually she's not on um, a huge amount of social media, her own choice. And I am so grateful because it's those battles of self-esteem, mm-hmm. comparing themselves, trying to tell them that actually these girls have filtered, they have skinnied themselves up, yeah. they've, you know lied to make themselves look better not not negative towards them but you know everyone you just can't well, everyone but most people know as they're older that it isn't that 
what you see on social media. But that doesn't necessarily take those feelings away. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I'm really lucky that she's 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 not in it. Um, but that's her own choice, not not mine. Does she ever talk about having a like a younger mum? Um, she does. She says things like she finds it really annoying that um, she, that her friends think I'm cool. <laughs> She's like, you're not cool. You do know that. You're really not cool. <laughs> My friends have got it wrong. Um, I, don't, I don't know if she, she, I don't know if she really notices. To me, I'm just her mum. Yeah, I don't know if she. Is she stealing your clothes she, or anything yet? Yeah, and my underwear. Because you, I mean, well, you, you are cool. Let's just get that straight. You are very oh, cool. Yeah. She's a bit edgier than me. She <laughs> <laughs> thinks I'm a bit boring. <laughs> um, but yeah, she does steal my clothes, and I steal hers. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, she can't borrow my bras because she's already got bigger boobs than me. <laughs> Even when you're breastfeeding. <laughs> Even when I'm breastfeeding, I know. <laughs> And how's about Ross? How did she feel about Ross? And what was it like when you first started dating him? Um, so at the beginning, it was it was fine. He once he'd realised he was in it, and um, you know we'd had that break and whatever, it was fine. But he always said and says now he found that part tricky because he didn't want to tread on anyone's toes. He didn't want to force her to see him as her dad Mm -hmm. um so that that part of life was quite tricky for him um for her you know what her personality is so easygoing so laid back so um it is what it is Mm -hmm. like she doesn't get over emotional like I do or like indigo her middle sister does She's very, um, very steady. So she'll take things on board, process them, either likes it, doesn't like it, whatever. But it's not this huge emotional issue. So with her, she just took it at once. She, ne- she never really met my boyfriends before. So there was a bit of suddenly like, oh, who is this? Mm. Um, but yeah, she there was no kicking up screen I mean she was five so you know she just saw it as an extra play buddy really yeah and then as she grew up and he was there to stay um and we moved in together and stuff when I was pregnant with Indigo I think was the first time that she I could see she was struggling a little bit because she has a dad um but she saw Ross as her dad Ross did all the dadding Mm. but she still at this point called him Ross um and anyway we had one evening where she was just being a bit funny and I said to her I, I you know it was bedtime that we always used to have our chats and she was lying in bed and she she just came out with it and she said would um Ross mind if I called him daddy Ross oh. and I said sweetheart of course not but that that's a conversation for you to have with him if that's where you're at you know, he would absolutely love that. And he cried, well, he didn't cry, he got teary. I was like, oh, God, of course you can. And he said to her, they had their own, like, chat. Um, and he said to her, you know, I'll always, I'll always be your, your dad, but you, you don't ever have to 
feel you have to call me dad. I'm not taking your dad's place. Um, but I'll always see you as my daughter. So she started calling him Daddy Ross. Um, and then the Ross part just kind of fell away. Um, and when Indigo was six, seven months is when Ross proposed to me. Um, but before he proposed, he asked her. So instead of asking my parents, he asked her. Um, and yeah, in, my, in his wedding speech, um, the biggest tearjerk apart from his speech, nothing about me, um, <laughs> was, was how he'd, um, he'd found two loves of his lives and how he'd found his first daughter. And yeah. Aww. So now he just, I mean, he doesn't see her any different to the others. Um, the first couple of years were tricky, mainly because he didn't know how to not step on toes. Uh -huh. But as soon as that was sorted and as soon as he kind of fell into the rhythm and yeah. actually her biological dad moved away and, you know, that almost, it just fell into place and, yeah. Well, you, again, you mean, even then you were still so young. To... Oh, God, yeah. I mean, he was, uh, as he will remind you all, <laughs> he is 18 months younger. So, yeah, so he was only... Uh, I'm trying to do quick maths. Uh, 23? Yeah. When we got Gosh. together, 22, 23? Yeah, so like a spring chicken mm -hmm. taking on a daughter. And I wonder why he panicked. <laughs> <laughs> Run for the hills. Um, but no. And, yeah, and do the other now, girls, do they understand that, um, that um, Alyssa has a different daddy? And do you know what? I find it... Um, I, I don't know how to bring it up. Um, and I've always said, I will always be 100% honest with my children. I'm quite, um, again, maybe because I've got a Dutch mum, I'm very liberal, open about talking, all sorts. You know, if Indigo asked me tomorrow how babies were made, I would tell her properly how they were made. Uh, yeah. Um, so those conversations don't bother me. Um, you know, I talk to Alyssa about sex and drugs and all of those things she rolls her eyes and like, no. but it really doesn't bother me yet this I I don't know how to bring up or or because she doesn't really ever see her dad she sees him like a couple of times a year um she calls sorry okay choking on okay um she calls Ross dad uh they have the same relationship as all the others I don't know how to bring it up. I don't know when to bring it up. Maybe I should have already done it, but yeah, I just, no, I haven't. I've never told them. And she doesn't, she doesn't talk about it either. No. No. The time and, she's, and she's got three other siblings because um, her dad has got a stepson and he's got two other children. So oh, she's wow. got three other siblings um, who she adores and, you know, sends cards to and speaks to. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's almost, I should have brought it up earlier and it just be like part of day-to-day -day conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just hadn't and haven't. And I tell you, if I'm honest, at first I was really worried that Alyssa would feel um, like maybe they saw her differently, yeah. which they wouldn't, in a million years they wouldn't. Um, because children just accept what they're told, don't they? They just, it, 
yeah it's always us that overthink yeah, it yeah. they're just very much like oh okay lovely mm-hmm. right like, what's can next? I have a snack what, now? For dinner? <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah now it's now it's in my head it's now a thing I don't know how to bring it up <laughs> The time will come. It will. It will yeah, happen. It, it'll just. It'll probably be in the strangest place, doing the weirdest thing. Um, <laughs> At her <yeah>. wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not then. <laughs> what, what, why are there suddenly two dads? But yeah. So we've spoken about um, indigo, but um, we, you also have two other children. So yes, there are four, four of them. Four. Four girls. Ross is very outnumbered. <laughs> um, so Willow is three, um, and she was the first one who was actually born once we were married. Indigo was born before we were married. So and Indigo then Dusty is six. Indigo is six, yeah. Um, and then Willow is three, and Dusty is uh, four months, but should be two months. The, the, the little dot, Dusty. Yes, little teeny dot, aren't you? So Indigo was a straightforward pregnancy, straightforward birth. Yeah. Yeah, plain, simple, the most beautiful birth, like textbook birth. I stood up, she came out. I was in and out of hospital in about five hours, I think. Um, I think Ross says the parking ticket for her 20-week scan cost more than oh, for her funny. birth. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was very a very easy baby. Um, yeah, she so was straightforward. She, she tricked you into doing it two more times. Yes, yes, she did. She lulled me into a full sense of security. She came at uh, just before 39 weeks. She was 6, 12, I think. Perfect little dot. Very easy. And then we got pregnant with Willow, and um, that was our first uh, premature baby. So, so when was Willow born? She was six weeks early, um, but we'd had our first scare at 28 weeks with her. Um, and I think from then, I, I, I think I was a bit naive um, because I'd had two full-term babies. Mm-hmm. When we had our first pair at 28 weeks, I was very, um, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And, and by, then, by a scare, what happened at 28 weeks? Um, so I had a bleed and I'd gone in um, and they had said that my... Um, contractions that all my Braxton Hicks that I were having I was having were um actually quite regular and quite strong so I was kept in um, sorry that's right do you want to sort her out I'll just finish you for a minute um you're obviously bored of the boob because you've had that for too long maybe because we're not talking about you you're just <laughs> oh pardon you maybe that's okay um yeah, so they said, so I'd had a bleed. Um, they had to check my waters because it was quite watery blood. Um, and I had an abrasion on my cervix. Um, and they said my contraction, my Braxton Hicks that I thought were just Braxton Hicks were actually quite regular and quite strong. Yeah. Um, so I was kept in for monitoring and they just, they died down again. Um, so I was put on... Um, like not high alert because I'd had two um, full-term babies. So mm-hmm. they said it could just be a blip, yep. um, but they just said um, be, uh, what do they say? Have a low threshold to come in. Mm-hmm. So um, literally from about 28 weeks, um, I 
my friend will always say, I used to say it felt like my vagina was falling out. Like the <laughs> pressure from literally 28 weeks, I was like, oh my God, I think she's going to fall out. Anyway, she hung in until 34 weeks, 33 weeks and five days we went into hospital. Um, again, the contraction started again. Um, and what happened? Um, I'd been up all night with her um, and I just had my normal pre-labour um, symptoms. Like, so I always get diarrhoea before, mm-hmm. I felt really sick. Um, I had period cramps and I just thought something's not right. So we went in and yeah, I was, I had a um, fibronectin test and that came back positive quite high and my contractions were ramping up. Um, so they knew she was on her way. So they gave me steroids and um, they tried to stop her labor mm. uh, with, I think, is it a blood pressure type pill? That you get they generally get a tocolytic of some sort oh they well we, I was pumped full of something um and it managed to stop my or at least reduce my contractions yeah but then my waters went okay um and then when they checked me or my waters one of the two they found infection markers so they said she when my labor started again she just needed to come out. Yeah. They weren't going to stop her. Um, and actually, by then, we were 34 weeks. And actually, they were happier with her out at that point than in. Mm-hmm. So that was her. Um, so we did her NICU journey. She was only in for eight eight days. Really? I can't remember. Eight days? Yeah, she wasn't... Um, a long time but it felt like forever and it was just it was like being thrown under a bus um I'd gone from these two healthy babies that I just brought home I had skin to skin and I don't know I think I just assumed that was going to happen again Mm -hmm. and then suddenly when this tiny baby was taken away from me I held her for a couple of minutes and she, then she was taken away and I had no control over any of it. Um, I just felt, yeah, it was just, it was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And I, I sit here and I can say it, and actually since having Dusty, who was actually even earlier, in for longer and more poorly, um, and even she compared to a lot of the babies there was one of the later ones she was two months early and she was one of the um do you say later what was she 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 wasn't as early um yeah less premature um and wasn't as sick as some of the even you know full-term babies but it is just I, i can't even explain it because you just you hand over your whole life in this little person Mm. and you just it makes me want to cry talking about it um you're you're just handing over every single bit of trust you have and I have no idea I'm not medical so I have absolutely no idea I can't butt in and say oh no do xyz or you know whatever I'm I, I literally am putting all my faith in them um and I found the worst part with both of them 
um, actually after. So at the time, I think you just, you go into a bit of a blur. You just have to get through it. You have mm-hmm. to do it. You can't bring them home. Um, it's awful. Leaving them at night was my worst. Mm. And actually with both of them, um, my best friend who died when I was pregnant with Willow, uh, I used to talk to her and say, please just stay with them. Please stay with them. Please stay with them. I don't want them to be on their own. And they're not on their own. They're in a, they're in a ward and they've got the nurses are literally, they're like angels. They are actually angels <laughs> and they are so warm and loving. And aside from actually physically looking after them, you know, they'll pick them up and they just, they get to know them and, it's like having aunties on a ward. They all just, you know, they'll say things like about their personalities of these teeny tiny dots that anyone else walking past would be like, well, they can't have a personality, but they do. Like even yeah. these like 26, 20, uh, when Dusty was born, she was with, there was a 26 week baby by a day. So she was, yeah, 26 weeks by a day and 28 or 29 week twins. And these tiny, teeny, tiny dots but they, they do, they have personalities and they yeah. have preferences and they have just, and yeah, and these nurses, they just swoop them up and I don't know, they just, they do make everything seem like everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and they look after you as well. Um, but you still feel this, how can I leave my I look at her now and I think, how did I ever leave you? I could never leave you. I can't even go out for a drink now without, <laughs> like, I, I just couldn't do it. I can't leave you. Um, whereas I left you night after night. And, yeah, I think afterwards, looking back, I just, I find so horrendous. And almost the more I get to know them as, as they get older, the more I just think, oh, my God, I can't believe you had to, have this done or that done or that I wasn't there when you know with your well with both of your children you just wouldn't if they were having a procedure you just you wouldn't leave them to do it by themselves absolutely not um especially not a newborn you just you just you just wouldn't do it whereas you have to because you're not there when things need to be done or of course um and also with Dusty, obviously she's only four months old, so she's been born in COVID times. Um, oh so, my God. so tell me, um, talk us through Dusty's birth. Uh, she she just wanted to outdo her sister and be a little bit more dramatic um, <laughs> because she was the fourth girl. She thought, what can I do to be spoken about? Um, <laughs> so at 31 weeks, no, at 30 weeks, I'd lost my plug. And I thought, oh my God, this can't be good. Um, but I spoke to my midwife and she said, look, just stay calm unless anything else happens, like waters go, cramping, anything like that, obviously go straight in, but it could be fine. You can lose it weeks before. Don't panic. Fine. Uh, that week I started getting like dull aches. Um, but I've got three older children, two of which I still lift up, put down, whatever. So I was thinking, oh God, can it be? Whatever. Anyway, uh, at 31 weeks and two days, something like that, Valentine's Day it was, um, I started having really bad um, Braxton Hicks. Really quite, they weren't regular at all, but they were, I was having to 
stop talking. And I thought it wasn't oh, your God, wasn't your deep love of Ross that was doing no. that. No, yeah. no, it no, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I thought, God. So he said, look, you need to be seen. You need to be checked out. So I went there, and on my way there. I started bleeding, not horrendously, but there was blood. You were, drive, I didn't know. were you driving yourself there? When I was driving, yeah, yeah I was driving somewhere. myself there <laughs> um, and got there. Well, first of all, he wasn't allowed in. Any other time, if it wasn't for COVID, you wouldn't go on your own. No, of course um, not. And he was like, I'll just wait in the car park. And I said, look, to be honest, it'll be fine. I'd rather you were at home with the girls. Um, just in, like Willow still wakes up. I don't want her waking up and me and you not being there mm-hmm. so anyway I got there and they said and I was bursting for a week so I got there as I went in for a week I was like oh my god there's blood thank god I was there because I did panic a bit um so they checked me over again they did because of Willow they did the fibronectin test that came back positive and again quite high um so they um put me up they they uh, I was gonna say discharged me the opposite they admitted what you. did they do admitted that's the word you can tell I've not had sleep in <laughs> 15 years um so they admitted <laughs> me um and so we were in for that week and it was just very up and down um every day I would think oh things have settled down my, you know my contractions or whatever had stopped they they gave me steroids as well at this point um just in case she did come early um and every day it was very much they were taking it a day at a time and they were incredible like the midwives were just wonderful like working in that environment they were having to be partners to people they were having to be a people's support because obviously mm. covid <laughs> people were on their own women mm. were freaking out and stuff on their own and they were just they were again angels uh, all the doctors were wonderful but it was very much a day at a time kind of situation. And was Ross able to come and see you during the day? He could. He could come for a couple of hours in the day, um, which was godsend because I did feel like I was going insane. Hmm. Um, because as wonderful as the midwives were, being stuck on a ward or walking around a car park um, was not ideal. <laughs> um, and the girls couldn't come and see me and they really struggled. Yeah. Um, so I had this huge guilt. And on the days where everything was fine, I kept thinking, God, why am I here? Um, anyway, then on the Wednesday, I was having a shower. Uh, I'd had like 12 hours of no Braxton Hicks, no blood. I thought we were on the home stretch and I was going home mm-hmm. and had a shower and my waters broke. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah then they it was again up and down depending on who which doctor I spoke to some uh gave me until 36 weeks if nothing happened Mm -hmm. some 37 um so they started me on antibiotics and they said um it was just a very much a case of um I had to be in for 72 hours because that's the the most likely time if you water skate you've got 72 hours and um Thursday, nothing happened. So I thought, right, okay, we'll be all right. And then uh, Friday night, I went into labor. And it was the most bizarre labor ever. Um, And thank God I had been on the ward that week, I think, um, because the midwives kind of knew me and knew, not that I'm sounding like a martyr, but I don't really complain about pain. And Mm -hmm. 
you know, every time they offered me paracetamol, I was like, no, honestly, I'm fine. Um, and I just, I, I didn't call the buzzer. I didn't need to. Anyway, Friday night came and just, I knew something was happening. Um, and when they offered me pain relief, I was like, yeah, I need it. Um, so I think that kind of gave the midwives that were looking after me kind of a heads up. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they were incredible. She, um, the, the lady who was looking after me that night was like, right, I know, I know something's happening. And I said, but they're not regular. They're not, they're not even showing up on the machine. They were all in my back, and like right in my vagina. They weren't over my tummy at all. So I kept saying, like, I, d- I don't want to cause a fuss and then it'd be absolutely nothing. And she was this Irish lady. I was about to do an Irish accent, but I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but she was like, absolutely no way. There's something happening. Please, please, please just, you know, call me if you need me. I was like, okay. Anyway, she called the doctor up. He examined me and there was nothing. Like I hadn't, I hadn't, I, in fact, I was less. Like when I'd come in, I was like two to three centimeters mm-hmm. and they thought I could start that night. Whereas now he's like, I can't really, really feel you down. I know about a centimetre of that. I was like, oh my God, I've gone backwards and I'm in <laughs> agony. <laughs> <laughs> She's like going up. Um, anyway, over the next couple of hours, no, not even a couple of hours. This was midnight and she was born at 2.53. So in the oh, next wow. like, 40 minutes, I was like, oh my God, this is horrendous. Like something really wrong. So uh, Mary, the Irish midwife, was like, right, I'm taking you downstairs. You're going to labour ward. Um, oh, and I'd also had this weird spell in between where I literally I couldn't see. I felt sick. So anyway, she sent me downstairs and I had the one and only midwife that I didn't necessarily see eye to eye with mm-hmm. was the one looking after me there. And she didn't believe I was in labour. Oh, no. So I was sat in this room on my own. In fact, the room that I was in the night before I had Willow. Um, and I was on my own. Ross was in the car park, thank God. And I was texting him, sobbing. This um, is just ridiculous. He's having to sit in the car park. Yeah, and he was allowed on the ward. And as soon as he was allowed in, he was allowed in. It just, again, as we were saying earlier, the rules of everything just seemed so mismatched and bizarre. Um. But anyway, he was sat in a car park and I was there saying, I, I don't know what is going on. I, I have no idea if I'm in labour or not. Every time I had a contraction, um, it just felt so bizarre, but it was so painful. I thought my pelvis was cracking. Um, so every time I had one, I was like, yes, it definitely is happening. It definitely is. And then it would go and then something wouldn't happen for like three or four minutes. And I'd be like, oh my God, maybe it's just stopped. Maybe I'm being a complete drama queen. <laughs> Um, anyway, they, they got more and more intense and I buzzed to the midwife because her heart rate kept dropping. And I said, please, can I just call my husband? Just, can he come and sit with me? If he can sit with me, I'm, I'm fine. I'll just, I'll just plow on. If you don't think I'm in labor, that's fine. And she was like, no, sweetheart, you, because you're not in labor, um, the rule says he can't come in. Oh my God. I was like, oh my God, please. Anyway, she left like very much like rolling her eyes. I think thinking, God, this woman's going to be a complete pain in my arm. <laughs> um, and literally, I think about three minutes later, another one happened. And I, at that point, I spoke to Emmy, who is my pastoral best friend, saying, you need to help me. You need to do something because I think I'm going to have this baby on my own. She's two months early. 
the doctor that I'd spoken to in that, that day bef- the, that day earlier, completely before I was in labour, had said he didn't want me going home um, because he thought uh, my labour could be quite quick. She's number mm. four. Yeah. She's two months early. It could go from naught to 100 and come out quite quick. So that's in the back of my head. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be giving birth on my own in this room to a two-month early baby. I have no idea how much help she'll need. And so I was freaking out. Um, so I pushed the buzzer again, and I thought, I've just got to grow some balls and, and demand that someone come and see me because I know something's not right. So she walked in again, very, like, you could tell. She was just like, oh, gee, pain in the arse. What do you want now? And I just burst into tears and I said, please, can you just get the doctor? I need a doctor to just tell me that nothing's happening because I really think this baby's going to be here in the next hour. She sauntered out very much like rolling eyes. Like, <laughs> Anyway, doctor came in and um, long story short, he examined me. I was like five to six centimetres and it was just, he said, so this was at I think like 20 past two and he he went he saw her heart rate dropping and I just saw his face and he said to the doctor working with him uh you need to call the baby team and you have to call theatre take her to a delivery room um but I want theatre on call so I was there on my own suddenly like can I swear yeah you can swear (laughs) fuck I'm on my own don't know what's gonna happen they're gonna cut me open um so they literally wheeled me around so quick. Um, and he said, you need to call your husband. And I said, uh, he's, no, he said, where do you live? And I said, Tring. And he said, oh, okay, uh, you need to call your husband now. And I said, oh, no, he's in the car. <laughs> he's in the car park. And he, you could see him, thank God. Go, oh, thank God for that. So anyway, I got into this room. I had stripped, apart from my nighty. And um, I was lay on the bed and um, Ross walked in and I, I genuinely, I, I don't think I've ever felt so much relief in my life. Um, and I said to him, this baby's coming, this baby's coming. He's like, it's fine, it's fine. And he, he like I've been texting him um, and he is just incredible. Like he's so together. Um, and he'll now say he was freaking the shit out. But at the time... He just was everything I needed. I was like, this baby's coming, this baby's coming. They haven't injected me with the antibiotics yet. They haven't got the... He was like, stop panicking. Um, It's fine. I've got it. So they gave me the gas and air and she was born uh, 28 minutes later. It says on my notes that I was in labour for 28 minutes. I can tell you I was not. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the lady who didn't believe me that delivered her. And did she so apologise? She didn't apologise, but she was very much, I, you could see she was a bit like, oh, oops, Shit. <laughs> my bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, yeah. So Dusty was tiny. Yes. So um, she was taken, they worked on her for 14 minutes. She was, she was tiny, but she was strong. Um, she was taken over to NICU, uh, as soon as they stabilised her. So I didn't even get to hold her, which is mm. literally, I can't, I still can't talk about because it just, I mean, with, with Willow, it was horrendous, but I got her on me, even though it was for like two minutes, I think three minutes. Um, but Dusty, I didn't even get to hold. And I, 
So I gave Berta, I pushed her out in one, whole body, head, everything. Gosh. And they lifted her up and she was just covered in that white stuff. Vernix. And she looked like, yes. And she looked like, do you remember when you were younger and you could get those aliens in the like <laughs> gloop? Yeah. She looked like that. So she was all curled up. She looked even tinier because she was like curled up with her head by her like feet. They like, lifted still her Still in up. the fetal position. Yeah. Like, I, I said to her, mate, why did you come out? <laughs> you clearly didn't want to. Um, and the midwife said to Ross, do you want to cut the cord? Very quickly, do you want to cut the cord? He was like, yeah, okay. She was like, right, fine, just do it really quick. So they cut her, he cut her cord and she whisked her over to the uh, resuscitator thing. And so I saw her for, I don't know, five seconds, 10 seconds, however long it took him to cut the cord. And I was still high the kite on gas and air because, because I'd only had it for 28 minutes. I, I used it. Like, <laughs> I sucked it. Um, so I, like Ross says I was like, grey. Can that um, be the title of the podcast, actually? <laughs> I, I sucked it. <laughs> I did. I sucked it like there was no tomorrow. Breathed it in. Um, I was like, you, you may not have given it to me for long, but I'm going to use it. Um, so I was still Ross's, like I was still, my eyes were still rolling. I was still gray, but I can remember seeing her, but just very, very briefly. Um, and then, yeah, she was whisked away. I got to get Tate. I, I hobbled over to sit next to her. Um, and I just felt like, I felt like I was on drugs. I mean, I was on gas and air, but that had gone out. I, I just felt absolutely like this can't be real. Like a couple of hours ago, I was had backache and didn't feel mm. great on the antenatal ward. And mm-hmm. now there's this tiny little poppet lying there. And again, like I, I struggle a bit thinking back to it because with all the others, even with Willow, I was very much like I spoke to her. Whereas with her, I just kept saying, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You can do it. You can do it. I'm here. But I was saying it and I uh, I was feeling it, but I didn't, I don't know, the words were just coming out. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the others, I kind of, well, I either had them on me um, and I was, you know, normal birth. Or with Willow, at least I had that couple of minutes where yeah. I was kissing her head and yeah. very much like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. This was just, yeah, something else. And how long was she in Nikki for? So... Bear in mind, she was eight weeks early. Little Trooper came home at 34 weeks and she was in for two weeks and a day. Incredible. So she came home at 34 weeks and two days, I think, Uh, which the the nurses were like, "Mm, we don't let them out before 35 weeks. Um, But she smashed it. The first week, I thought we were going to be in for a while. Hmm. because like COVID, it was one step forward, mm-hmm. two steps back. Um, and that first week, I just thought, oh, God, I don't know how we're going to do this. Um, trying to juggle the others and leaving her and just, oh, I can't believe we're here again. And with COVID, it was even worse because Ross and I could only go in together at one point in a day. Um, for the rest, it had to be one or the other. 
the girls couldn't meet her so willow was so confused as to how i was suddenly home without a baby in my tummy Mm -hmm. but she had a sister Mm -hmm. um and i just thought i I don't know how we're gonna do this again um and i i did go very into myself i think like you just have to get go through it so it was very much like following the motions but you know holding her everything seemed all right while I was there and I was holding her. But every now and again, I'd look at her and I'd be like, my God, you're not breathing by yourself. You're not, everything, like you have wires for everything. Um, And it's just that background is beeping. Even if it's not your baby, you're constantly like, you just feel wired Mm. because you can just hear all these babies. And as I say, she was with a a teeny tiny 26 weeks baby and these 28 week twins and not that you want to celebrate not that you want to rub it in their faces at all but you're sat there celebrating each teeny tiny milestone so whatever it is like uh, the oxygen going down a bit you know Mm -hmm. that to you is a massive milestone but then in the back of your head you're that you sit there and you think oh my god I don't I don't want to sit there being like oh my god yeah because of course they've still got those battles ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I said, we were only every two weeks and a second week she was smashing it day after day. And I could almost see the end. I didn't think we were going to be that quick, but I could see the ending site. And I did feel a lot more, um, I'm bringing my baby home. Mm. Um, and, you know, she had less wise. She had a feeding tube and she had monitors, but she had less help. Um, but still, even with her, you know, we saw people come in and we saw people go. And I just, that feeling of, oh, it has to be me. I want me, yeah. I want, I, you know, you're happy for them. Of course. And yeah, but you, you want to be the one taking home your baby. Absolutely. So you don't want to sit there being that person who's like, yes, my baby's off or breathing yeah. help <laughs> when, when there's all these other ones that are still needing the help so it is I mean it is just the most bizarre place and what was it like when you did bring her home and she met the other girls oh my god oh god I I I can that again I could cry about it was just it was incredible and it was so it was so bizarre because um I had one sleepover the night before in the parenting room and um, in the morning, the doctor, who, in fact, the doctor who was the first one to ever see her, who helped her when she was born, mm-hmm. came in to do some checks. And he said very nonchalantly, um, have you heard that she may be going home today? Sorry, what? <laughs> talking about my baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we, we think we've got to discuss it in our meeting later, but we think, you know, she's ticked all the boxes um so we think you may be able to be discharged and I honestly (laughs) I was I was absolutely speechless I can't remember the rest of our conversation I was just in shock and then I rang Ross and I was like I I think we might get our baby home tonight and he was like so what (laughs) yeah I think we may be getting our baby home tonight and he was like oh shit I haven't even got the car seat out (laughs) (laughs) not ready at all (laughs) so yeah so when we got her home I hadn't told the girls I told Alyssa actually I had told Alyssa 
Um, so Alyssa met her for about five minutes on her own first. And the other girls were with my mum. And I said to my mum, don't tell them. So my mum came driving up and um, they came in and they saw her. And Willow was very much like, what is going on? Yeah. This and doll, it moves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think Willow did think it was a doll. Indigo went, oh, tell my baby. Anyway, <laughs> so she got, she got, but yeah, so she got very excited, which obviously then meant Willow got very excited. And um, yeah, they just, I, I genuinely think they thought she was a doll. They kept saying, my doll's bigger than her. She's smaller than my doll. <laughs> but yeah, they were just, oh, it was the most incredible. Well, I say it was. It was the most incredible thing, but it was also the most nerve-wracking. Um, it was the most nerve-wracking. Oh, dummy, hold on. Uh, it was the most nerve-wracking time as well because I suddenly had this. She came home. She was four pounds on the dot when she came home. Um, she... Yeah, I think she was four pounds on the yacht when she came home. Um, so although she was bigger than she had been, she put on over half a pound. In there, even at three and a bit pounds, you don't notice how small yeah. they are. Yeah. Um, especially not when they're next to even tinier ones. You mm-hmm. kind of just, it, it feels okay. And then I got her home and I just thought, oh, like, what am I going to do with you? You're, you're tiny. You're completely depending on me. I've got no monitors. I've got no nurses. I've got no doctors. I've got no backup. Um, so the first few nights, I didn't sleep. And you know what prem babies are like. They, they do sleep. So they're, you know, it's not like having a newborn baby home. Mm-hmm. She was just this sleepy little dot. But I could not sleep at all. I was just watching her. Like, you still breathing? Still breathing? Yeah. Still breathing? <laughs> so, yeah. So it was incredible, but it was hard work nerve-wracking yeah and now how is life as family of four oh it's incredible I love it I could have four more if I <laughs> um don't get me wrong there's days where I could pull my hair out um, and do and there are days where I hate myself for you know I want to be this calm and gentle and nothing phases me mum and obviously when there's four and they're all shouting at the same time and so there are days where I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a shouty mum. I don't want to shout at you at bedtime or whatever it is. But no, it's incredible. I love it. I could, as I say, have four more. And I, wrote, I, could, uh, I wrote a post recently on Instagram about um, people's uh, opinions and my own opinion of um, having one child. And you, you came back with a different viewpoint of um, how you feel people judge you with four. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? So do you know what, even today I was getting a coffee before I saw you and I saw a mum of some kids I used to look after and she was like, oh my God, you've got four. Like, are you mental? And it's not said nastily, mm-hmm. but it's always, not always, some people get it, some people, you know, don't even notice, but it's said as if, I don't know, like, it makes me especially if I'm tired or emotional, feel like, oh my God, they think I can't give everything to everyone or that I'm this person that just sprouts out babies without (laughs) giving a monkeys. And then I also have the part of me with, you know, I've got friends who are really struggling to have a baby. And I almost feel like I'm being greedy 
like you know that kid who's gone into the sweet shop and gone I'm gonna I'm gonna have all of the sweets and then Johnny's in the corner and can't he's not allowed one um so I do feel a bit like in fact with Dusty I sat in NICU and I can remember crying one day and it is obviously hormones as well thinking I bought this for myself because I've had four I've tempted fate it's my fault I shouldn't I should have I should have not meaning getting rid of her but I should have stuck with you know if I'd had two I never would have I never would have put them through um a NICU journey I never would have put them through that um so there are days where I just feel like I don't know if judged is the right word. Um, but yeah, there are times where I feel like people look at you, not always in a negative way, sometimes mm. like, oh my God, you're this miracle mum. And then also I'm very much like, I'm not. Please don't think I'm this perfect parent because I'm absolutely not. I don't have my shit together. I absolutely don't. I always forget something, um, whether it's a party or a, book for school or whatever um I certainly am not this like organized got myself together um but yeah I think there are times and I mean I've got wrinkles but I don't look that old and obviously Alyssa I did have young so I think people sometimes especially if they don't know me will look at me and think oh you've got four kids do you do you do anything else (laughs) do you work do you just rely on handouts and I I almost feel like I have to kind of um prove that they were planned they were wanted they Mm -hmm. were they're looked after we support them you know and I just yeah but I do think partly that is my own insecurities rather than I think sometimes we hear what people say and our own insecurities kind of twist it Mm. um so I don't know if it's always meant negatively but depending on my frame of mind, I will sometimes see it as, yeah, yeah, I get it. Now I'm going to have to ask you this question and I'm going to have to hold it together because I'm pretty sure I know the answer. So (laughs) if you were to have coffee with um, any other female, um, I've got a feeling it wouldn't be coffee. Um, No. (laughs) Who would it be and why? Uh, Well, you know who it'd be. It would be any. Um, I and I would bring Willow and I'd bring Dusty um, because I would I I'm desperate for her to know them so can you tell um, us who Emmy is yeah so she's my best friend I met her at uni we were inseparable she was like my sister um, and she was diagnosed with um, quite a rare form of cancer um, but by the time they diagnosed it, it was too late. It was it spread and it was terminal. Um, and I know everyone says it about their best friends and friends and family, but she was the most incredible person. Um, and I promise I wasn't going to cry, so I won't. Um, but she, if you had her on a podcast, she would make you laugh. She would <laughs> make you cry. She, you'd be inspired. Like she just, she had everything. And um, didn't even know it. Um, but yes, yeah, so she she passed away when um, two weeks exactly after my wedding. And um, so two weeks after your wedding, exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. So she, and she 
you wouldn't know how no. I mean she looked she did look poorly but she looked beautiful she walked down the aisle without her walking sticks she made a speech where she got everyone to laugh and cry more than the uh, groom or best man <laughs> she's she's better than anyone um so yeah she passed away when uh I was pregnant with no, before I was pregnant with Willow. So she never met Willow or Dusty. Um, but Indigo and especially Alyssa, um, she was really, really close to Alyssa. So we'd gone on, <laughs> we just looked like a les- lesbian couple a lot of the time. So we would go on like family <laughs> holidays, but it would be me, her and Alyssa. Um, so again, she was like a like another mum figure or like a really cool aunt figure. Um, so Ellie's got all these beautiful memories with her. Indigo, Indigo was only two and a bit when she died, but I don't know how Indigo has such a close connection with her and still mm. talks about her. Does she, she says she talks to her, yeah. She, I mean, Indigo is this little wildflower who will talk to fairies and talk to stars and whatever. And she'll go out and she'll talk to Emmy and she'll say, oh, Emmy told me, blah, 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 blah. And so she has this amazing connection, even whether it's in her head, whether it's through us talking, however it is, whatever it is, she somehow has this relationship with her. Um, And I've got photos of them together. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but it absolutely breaks me that I don't, and I will never have a photo with um, Willow or Dusty with her. Mm-hmm. and that she's never physically touched them if she's around which I hope she is and I mean obviously part of me does think she is because she was the person I spoke to saying please sit with them when they were in hospital um and I know if she if she could if that is possible if that is the way things work that she is around and she would have been there but I just wish she could cuddle them hold them yeah I would probably have a coffee. Well, she wouldn't have coffee. She'd have tea. She'd have a cup of tea first, really milky, basically not tea. Um, <laughs> do that. And then a few drinks. Yeah, you, you yeah. like to drink, let's be honest. Yes. You like to party girls, <laughs> didn't you? I mean, I don't know how she would have coped with um, COVID. No. I think she would have. No. Hmm. And it's things like that I just find so bizarre that, this person she was my person and there are all these massive huge life things going on like covid that she just she wasn't in yeah um so yeah i would i would love to speak to her and i'd love to know her thoughts on life and to meet my babies um yeah since since becoming a mum is there anything um you found yourself saying that your mum used to say to you um, I don't know about saying, if I'm honest, um, but definitely my mum always said to me, don't go to bed on an argument. And I live by that now. Um, so I have definitely taken that on board. Yeah, how's that with um, a 16 year old? <laughs> you know what? She is my least argument. Well, I say that <laughs> pain in the arse while revising for exam. But actually, she's so not argumentative. Um, she rolls her eyes and puffs. My seven-year-old she, does that. So. <laughs> I mean, the six-year-old does that as well. Um, 
but yeah, so I, I refused to go to bed in an argument. Um, and that I think is probably, and actually I suppose I do say it, I say it to the girls, you know, if they're, if they've squabbled before bed, I'll say that you really can't go to bed in an argument. So let's kiss some makeup and yeah, so that's probably the only thing that I can hear myself. But to be honest, your mum's probably still so present in your household. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you could say that with more enthusiasm if you like. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, she, like, I don't know. She's just very, again, like, I think a lot of things I do similar to her. So, like, she was always very much of the opinion, if someone is going to do something like a teenager, if they're going to go out and go out and drink or go out and do whatever, she'd rather be open enough that they could come and talk to her and come and tell yeah. her so that if they are ever in trouble, they would call straight away. Yeah. And that's yeah. how she always was with me. And so again, I brought that into my parenting. So I do a lot of parenting things the same, um, especially now I've got a teenager. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> and um, considering your many journeys um, to motherhood, is there one piece of advice that you could share? Uh, do you know what the only thing that I think is that I wish I'd known the first time is that everything is a season everything whether it's sleeplessness whether it's not eating whether it's tantrums toilet training whatever it is it comes and it goes and you look back and you can't remember yeah yeah at the time so I'm not saying it's easy and I do drink wine and I do tear my hair out and rock in a corner sometimes (laughs) um (laughs) but that everything will come and go. And, you know, when you're sitting there thinking, oh my God, my baby's never, ever going to sleep. They will. One day they will. And I'm not saying that tiredness is necessarily easy, but I wish I'd known that first time round mm-hmm. that everything does sort itself out. Yeah. No, it, it get, you get and, so And you'll miss it. You, you don't think you will, but you absolutely, like I miss, them well they still call into my bed actually so I don't miss that yet but everything (laughs) that you think at the time is never going to end it does end and you will miss it when it does thank you Leona for speaking to us and um, thank you Dusty she's been a little legend doesn't she well now she's fallen asleep oh well there we go boring yeah Yeah, I was gonna say it's your voice it was it was a bit dull If you could have been a bit more exciting. I know, sorry. I did did say I've got nothing interesting to bring to the party. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so Um, much for having me. And if people would like to contact you, is that okay? Yes, fine. And how could they do that? Uh, On, I don't know, what do people often, uh, on Instagram? I I wouldn't give you a phone number, but yeah, Instagram. Well, no. That would be good. I mean, it might could be exciting. I could suddenly get other people other than just, you know. Well, you are, you, you are wearing like a call set, aren't you? So. Call centre, yeah. There this doesn't get, you can't see a video, can you? No, this is just not. <laughs> um, yeah, they can contact me through Instagram, which is, I, don't, I think I'm just Leona Bugden on there. B-U-G-D-E-N. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. But yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, it's been lovely speaking to you. Have a wonderful and you, day. Bye, Justy. Bye. A big thank you to Leona for speaking to me today about her beautiful family. Leona posts the most gorgeous Insta-worthy pictures, so do give her a follow. 
I'm going to have a couple of weeks off to give you guys time to catch up on the episodes and maybe a little holiday myself. But we'll be back again in mid-July with more amazing women telling their brave stories. Take care and chat again soon. Bye.